0: From KLCC Studios, this is Oregon on the Record. I'm Michael Dye. For many, the landmark case filed in U.S. District Court back in 2015 called Juliana v. United States was at best the longest of long shots to try and force the government to change policy on climate change and at worst, a frivolous lawsuit. And I'm sure many wrote the entire thing off as a publicity stunt, but it never went away. And despite long odds, the case and the organization that supports it, Eugene's Our Children's Trust, is still going strong and actually notching significant legal victories. Today on Oregon on the Record, we're gonna check back in with Our Children's Trust Executive Director and Chief Legal Counsel, Julie Olson, and hear about how the original case and the ones it's inspired are doing in state and federal courts. Many of the original plaintiffs have grown from kids to young adults, but they've never lost their passion to advocate on behalf of the planet they'll inherit. Today on Oregon on the Record, we'll try and answer those questions with the person best suited to the task, the leader of our children's trust. We talked to Julia Olson a year ago and thought it was high time we had her back to talk about their work and their goals for the future. The organization has actually racked up some impressive wins in court and certainly no court in the land, be it state or federal, takes the organization or the original lawsuit lightly. It might've started with a bunch of kids, but securing the future of our planet is anything but child's play. Julia Olson, Executive Director and Chief Legal Counsel of Eugene-based Our Children's Trust. Thanks so much for coming in and talking to us.
1: Thanks for having me here, Michael.
0: Yeah, let's start with a reminder to our audience. What is Our Children's Trust and what is your mission?
1: We are a nonprofit law firm and we do one thing. We represent children and youth in suing their governments for violating their fundamental human rights, their fundamental constitutional rights to a stable climate system that protects their health and safety.
0: Yeah, yeah. Talk about sort of, which is I think well known to our audience and, and, and the wider community, the original case, Juliana, Juliana versus United States. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so it wasn't the first case, but it was one of the first big moments in our work since 2010. In 2015, we filed here in Eugene in the federal district court a constitutional case against the federal government and 12 major agencies, and that case has been going for eight and a half years.
0: Wow, wow, okay. Um, Talk a little bit about I and mean, give us an update on some of the original plaintiffs in that case? You know, kind of where are they now sort of a thing? But obviously, I mean, this has been a while. Uh, I imagine the vast majority are, are adults now, aren't they?
1: Many of them are young adults. Mm-hmm. Some are in college. Yeah. We have our first law school graduate, Alex Lazna. Wow. And, and Levi, who was, is the youngest plaintiff, okay. he has spent half his life now in this case, and he's 16. He yeah. was eight when we filed.
0: Yeah. And it sits where now?
1: So after losing on one narrow issue on appeal, Mm -hmm. we went back to Judge Aiken in the District Court and we asked to amend the complaint, which means we changed the request for relief to line up with what the Court of Appeals had said. Okay. Judge Aiken granted that motion this summer. Right before our trial in Montana, actually.
0: Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that.
1: (laughs) And then um, just this, this winter, right before New Year's on December 30th, Judge Aiken denied the government's attempt to dismiss the case again. So we now have a green light to trial. And next Friday, we will have a status conference with the court and the parties to get our trial date.
0: Okay, okay. And I wanna remind our listeners, we're talking to Julie Olson. She's the executive director and chief legal counsel of Eugene-based Our Children's Trust. it's been kind of a roller coaster uh, for the organization. You know, it, it, it sounds like there's been, you know, kind of some, some setbacks, some move forwards. I mean, talk a little bit about, you know, how it's gone and especially, you know, how you and your team have been able to kind of manage all this in terms of a couple of things. A lot of attention, you know. You're like you said. You have unusual uh, clients, uh, as it were. They were kids, and and and, and so this this um, you know this case or many of the cases have have been a, a big portion of their lives. Just talk kind of about I don't know the day to day of of managing everything um and of course and we'll get to that it's not just this one case it also dovetails into a lot of different action you've taken talk just about you know the overall kind of a strategy and management of of, of all that you've undertaken
1: yeah we we have an incredible team I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start there and we have incredible supporters and we're a nonprofit, so we can't do this without the support and investment of sure. donors and people who believe in the work and the way we we do it is we have lawyers who work closely with our youth i mean they are very central to these cases Mm -hmm. we work with experts in all of the fields from climate science to energy science to the pediatricians who support us. So it's a big network of experts yeah. we partner with, and we have a lot of pro bono attorneys in different states because um, as we mentioned, we work not just at the federal level, but we work in states around the country, and we have a global program. Yeah. Uh, so we have teams leading in all these different areas.
0: Yeah. Um, when you Talk with your team and onboard people who co- who come and join. I mean, do you have to sort of? Uh, I guess the phrase I'm looking for is because it's kids and you're suing governments, huge entities um, who have a lot of power. And I imagine you probably run into this saying, "Oh, it's a, you're tilting at a windmill. It's a fool's errand. There's no way you could possibly win." How do you? How do you make the case to people, to attorneys who, and I'm not one, but I imagine, you know, attorneys like to win and they like to go into cases where they feel like they have a a real shot at winning. How do you help maybe get get them over that idea that this may be a fool's errand?
1: I, I think, I mean, first of all, the people who come and work on our team, which is about 30 people. Okay. They all have really faith in democracy and working in the system and fighting for justice, and and it takes courage. Yeah, that's. I think it takes courage to litigate these cases. It takes courage to be a plaintiff, and it takes courage from the judiciary to step into a space that requires new constitutional interpretation. Yeah, so courage is key to all of this, and you know, and I'll just point out that. When you look at the past social justice movements in our country from desegregation to the right to marry and everything in between, it took courage on the part of the lawyers and the litigants and also the judges to make those transformations in our society, and we're really ahead of the curve in terms of how long it's taking to have courts see that there is a constitutional right to life that includes a stable climate system
0: how much did you, you just mentioned some some incredibly important sort of milestones that are in our nation's history some of those cases segregation uh you know interracial marriage the famous cases and you're an attorney as well you know how much of those you know landmark cases kind of kind of helped you decide to do this and then also you know kind of how how you saw that uh, you mentioned courage but i almost think even even the strategies around taking on big interest with a sizable advantage.
1: Yeah, we, we have read about all of those movements. We've studied them. We've studied the cases that come out of them. It's very important that um, we are building off what has been done before. Okay. And and climate is, of course, an intersectional issue, so it touches all of these other issues that we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. And the discrimination involved. Um, and now we're, we're taking all those learnings from the discrimination against different types of people, you know, from African-Americans to women to the LGBTQ community and so on, it's now time for children to have their day and to be free from the discrimination that's happening and the threats to their lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Someone who's not necessarily associated with your movement but somebody who is world famous now, someone like a Greta Thunberg or, or something like that, fits in with what you're talking about in terms of it really has some of the most impactful voices our kids. Obviously, we just finished a, a big climate summit, COP28. I don't know if, if a lot sort of happened from there. Maybe it did. I'm not sure. The The, the results seemed rather mixed, but we're kind of used to a bunch of political leaders in nice suits sitting in front of a dais and talking about great achievements, and then maybe it doesn't happen. But I mean, when it's kids and it's, it's, it's young people who are going to inherit this planet, it resonates more, doesn't
1: it? I think it resonates for people on a a deep moral level, whereas Mm -hmm. the people funding the conference of the parties, the cops, (laughs) are really the fossil fuel interests. Um, And yet, the people who have the most power and the most powerful voices are not yet children and youth. It's still the status quo interests. And the courts can break through that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's... and, and, And that is probably the best tool that there is, isn't it? The court system. I mean, it's, protests are great and they're very important and there's legislative action. But of course, even in our country, you get kind of, you know, it seems like we're, we're, we're almost in a, in a place now where legislative fixes seem few and far between between, but certainly legal action still resonates very much, doesn't it?
1: It does, and it's so important. I mean, right now we're in this this position in our country where we're we're looking at the importance of elections and Mm -hmm. who can be on the ballot, right? And what's really interesting is that the number of people in our country who vote for one presidential candidate, it's about 74 million. And there are 74 million children in our country under the age of 18 who cannot vote. Wow. So when we think of democracy, democracy isn't just about those who can vote and go to the polls, it's also about all these children who don't have a voice in those elections.
0: Okay, talk about all that's happened since we last spoke about a year ago.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the other case that a lot of people have heard and may not know it's our Children's Trust case Mm -hmm. is Held versus the state of Montana. Okay. It was the first constitutional climate trial in U.S. history that happened last summer Mm -hmm. in June, and in August, we won a historic ruling by the judge in that case. She ruled in the youth's favor on all counts wow. after a full trial on the merits.
0: And and, and kinda of give us the thirty thousand foot view of that case. What were what what were you arguing?
1: Yeah, so that that case is under the Montana State Constitution. Okay. And and the youth were arguing that, hey our state has laws on the books that require it to promote fossil fuels and at the same time ignore climate change and the Mm. harm that we're experiencing. And what the evidence showed at trial is that Montana was approving every single fossil fuel project that came its way and its intention was to exploit the extensive fossil fuel resources of that state, which are the largest in the nation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know a bit about Montana. and obviously, you know extraction is just such a major part of, of their economy. Why Montana, obviously, I mean, there are lots of states you could you, you could move action in, legal action in. Why did you choose Montana?
1: Montana is a, a special place. I mean, in part because of the fossil fuel resources, okay. but also because their constitution was amended in the early 70s hmm. and Montanans did something really special. They said, number one, our constitution protects everyone under the age of 18. Hmm. Only constitution in the country that does that. Wow. Explicitly. Okay. And they said, we're going to protect the right to a healthy environment as being foundational to our rights. Okay. And so the case was brought under the right to a clean and healthful environment provision, but it was also brought as a right to liberty and dignity and equal protection of the law. Okay. And we won on all of those that's, claims. That's
0: great. So what happens now or what will happen now with that, the Montana case?
1: Yeah, so right now Montana is under an order by the court n- no longer to implement the law where mm. they ignore climate change and their permitting processes. And so the case really, it stops that fossil fuel development. They can't continue to do it because the court said every additional ton of greenhouse gas pollution that Montana's responsible for is causing constitutional harm to these kids. Wow. So now the state has appealed, of course, which we expected. Sure. We're heading up to the Montana Supreme Court. Okay. The the legal briefing, the written part is starting right now. And we hope to have oral argument in the spring. Wow. And there will be people around the country stepping up as friends of the court to support the youth. Okay. And, And we're very optimistic about the result. If
0: you persevere there in the Montana Supreme Court, is the thought that, then it would go to the U.S. Supreme Court?
1: No, it actually can't. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I I think um, a lot of people who aren't lawyers don't know this. (laughs) Like (laughs) me. Right? So... State constitutional issues mm-hmm. are really—they go up to the the state supreme court, and they typically stop there okay. unless there's a federal question in I the see. case. And in this case, there is no federal question; it's purely a matter of state law. Okay. So the U.S. Supreme Court will not touch this case.
0: Interesting, interesting. But obviously, you know, law is based on precedent. If you succeed in Montana, then is the thought that there could this could apply? and we could bring suit in other states. Is, is this perhaps a a, a a pilot hole to bring more suits?
1: Absolutely, so Montana, it's not just that, that we won, it's that we got to trial. So yeah. we have a proven model of how to win, even in a, a state that is now very much Republican-led. and we're taking you know that win and mm-hmm. the precedent there and it's not binding on other states but okay. but we're going to trial next against the state of hawaii
0: okay in okay. june
1: 2024 um against really their department of transportation and the state okay. because even though hawaii has really awesome climate goals sure they're not meeting them hmm. and their transportation emissions are going up not down
0: It's interesting talking about two states that certainly from a political spectrum can't be more different. Montana is a deeply red state. Hawaii is a very blue state. But I'm wondering, you know, gosh, especially with the special clients that you have, I mean, is is this the kind of thing that has the opportunity to kind of cut through a lot of our political polarization?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the work we do is completely nonpartisan, uh, the Democrats and their leadership in government are just as much responsible as Republicans in leadership. I mean, under the Biden administration, we're seeing oil and gas production in our country reach its highest levels ever. ever. And that's under a Democrat who claims to want to do something about climate. So this work is nonpartisan. And one thing that might be interesting to people to know is, you know, the lawyers in Montana were actually nicer in depositions to the plaintiffs (laughs) than the lawyers hired by the state of Hawaii, who are really have been um, pretty harassing in the depositions of the plaintiffs there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your... L- the lifespan of your organization and the original uh, uh, lawsuits has now spanned. I think you're going. This is your third administration. You, you you started in the Obama administration, through the Trump administration, now the Biden administration. Three very different justice departments, um, and yet you're still here. It's 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 still working. So so maybe talk a little bit about what you're doing right, and and then kind of a follow-on question to that is. I would imagine that there are other causes. Maybe they're not even environmental, but they're, they're, I'm sure that they're advocacy organizations or nonprofits, legal nonprofits like yourself, they're asking you, how do you do it? Because we wanna we, we wanna change X and, and you're 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 showing some real success.
1: Yeah, I mean look we we have really strong legal arguments and we have the best facts and the best evidence you could ever have for Mm -hmm. a case. And, And then we ground it all and root it in the stories of young people and their stories are the heart and soul of these cases. But the legal research we do is extensive. We are, we are fastidious and diligent in developing the best possible cases and you know, it's interesting, the three administrations. Mm-hmm. So right now, I said we're about to have a status conference in the Giuliana case, and we're talking to opposing counsel, conferring about trial dates and what comes next. And, you know, what, what they are telling us is that the Solicitor General of the United States, Elizabeth Prelogar, is going to be deciding whether to run up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals again hmm. on this extraordinary effort. It's called the Petition for writ of Mandamus. Where they would tie, try to take the case out of judge Aiken's hands again okay. and that happened under the trump administration and it may happen again under Biden if they make that decision
0: Wow wow let me remind our listeners that we're talking to Julie Olson executive director and chief legal counsel of eugene based uh, our children's trust talk about this idea of environmental equity we've We've read a lot of stories, we've heard a lot about how some nations, you know, are saying, wait a second, you know, we're being impacted by climate change, and we didn't put all this pollution into the air. They're big industrialized countries. There's, there's a real inequity in terms of the environment. And, and you're arguing about these kids. They're not out there building coal mines and, and so on and so forth, and yet they're being so impacted because of their future. Just talk generally, kind of philosophically about this un- this idea of environmental inequity.
1: I think there's obviously huge global inequity with the climate crisis, and there is real intergenerational inequity. And mm-hmm. what. What we are really focused on is trying to address both in the context of holding the biggest polluters responsible and the United States is the most responsible for climate crisis. So our work is really grounded in the U.S., but we also work in other countries. And And with respect to children, we just filed a, another new federal case. Okay. It's called Genesis versus the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. And we're representing 18 California children under 18. Okay. And they're suing for equal protection rights under the US Constitution. Huh. Because what people may not know is that the US EPA actually treats children as having less value than adults because children aren't income earners. Hmm. And they they economically discount the value of a life of a child. And so we're bringing a discrimination claim and US EPA, they've been around since the Nixon administration. Sure. And um, they are the single federal agency really charged with protecting air and human health from pollution. And over its existence, you know, more than 50 years in existence, it's allowed intentionally the levels of climate pollution we see that are causing the crisis. Wow. And it's a violation of the rights to life and liberty um, of these young people.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, Julia, my last question for you is to kind of, look, we're in in a new year, we're at the beginning of 2024. What do you expect, what are are some of your hopes or what are your expectations for how things are gonna go with cases and with your organization for the rest of the year?
1: Well, we're gonna be arguing in two state Supreme Courts, so look for us in Montana and in Utah. We'll be arguing in the Virginia Court of Appeals and we'll be in Hawaii at trial in June for about three weeks. And then my hope is that by December, we're in trial here in Eugene, Oregon, in the federal court in the Juliana versus United States case.
0: Well, we'll look for that. Um, Julia, Julia Olson, the executive director and chief legal counsel of Eugene's based Our Children's Trust, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us and giving us an update.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: That's the show for today. It's certainly possible that a year or five years from now, the case of Juliana versus the United States may ultimately be thrown out. After all, it faces the full weight of the United States government and its organization, Our Children's Trust, is not as well-heeled and large like so many others that do sue the nation. Yet the case and the nonprofit are still here and they're winning in some states and showing absolutely no sign of slowing or stopping. I wanna thank Julia Olson for coming on the show. This show, along with all episodes of Oregon on the Record, is available at klcc.org. I'm Michael Dunn, and this has been Oregon on the Record from KLCC. Thanks for listening.